Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, 10 volumes available at Amazon in paperback, ebook, and Kindle formats, and nine of the 10 are available in audio format at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. So get out there and buy a couple of copies. And now, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? What's going on, Bill? Yeah, a little drizzly, dreary. I've been doing a lot of yard work. Uh, We've had like... uh torrential rains for a few days here in North Carolina. And, uh, I mean, we need it, but, uh, you know, like I like to exercise on the river trail here on the Noose River. Uh-huh. And, and unfortunately, like the trail is flooded because it's, it's on the low side of the dam. And when it rains a lot, the lake starts to flood. So then they open up the dam and then the river starts to flood. Perfect. So, what could be wrong with that? I no issues. No issues. <laughs> But we're doing great. We need the water. The whole world needs the water, I think, so we're good. Yeah, you know, I was just talking to Charlie, our brother-in-law. Ah, yeah. And uh, Fort Lauderdale. Oh, my goodness. I saw the videos. Yeah, they got 30 inches of rain in six hours. Yeah, the airport was flooded last week, (laughs) which is crazy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. But uh, I haven't got 30 inches, but, you know, we're getting a little bit here and there. It's, yeah, yeah. It kind of looked like the moors in uh, Britannia last night around here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, the good news is everything is green. All of the um, perennials are coming back in full force, you know. Yeah. I'm waiting for the butterflies. I haven't seen them yet, but I'm sure they're coming. <laughs> They're coming, just wait. They're coming, they're on their way. They're somewhere. But Bill, this week in cryptids in the news and other oddities, we got a fun one. All right, let's have at it. Creepy little legend character from the good old U.S. of A. No kidding. Yeah. (laughs) Well, lay it on us, bro. You know, I love these characters with the French names. (laughs) Like the Rougarou. Yes, yes. This one is the Nain Rouge. The Men Rouge? Nain Rouge, <laughs> which is French for Red Dwarf. Nice. <laughs> also known as the Demon of the Strait. 
<laughs> well, the the name changed suddenly from Red Dwarf to Demon of the Strait. Demon of the Strait. <laughs> Two different names. Same creature, though. Yeah, same yeah. descriptions. Been around for a few hundred years. Uh-huh. And uh, according... So this is also interesting. So this is in Detroit, Michigan, home of, uh, you know, the automotive industry. Um and uh, I didn't know it, Bill. Maybe I'm super naive. I'm sure our Michigan listeners will point that out to me. Um, but that most uh, or some of the cars, uh, the models of cars made in Detroit over time were named after people and also Native American tribes. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. But so so before you folks in Detroit make fun of us, um, we will point out to you that where we grew up and where Bill still lives, most of the towns are na- are Native American uh, names. So, you know, you probably didn't know that about us. Yeah, well, even the school system we went to, right, Kev? Sachem, yeah. Sachem School District. We had all these schools, Winona, Cayuga, Nokomis. Home of the best mascot in the world, the Flaming Arrows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody ah! told me that they were changing the mascot, or they did change the mascot because it was Flaming Arrow was politically incorrect. That's nonsense. I didn't check it out yet. I yeah. got to I got to put that on my to do list. But anyway, back to Detroit and the Nain Rouge or Red Dwarf. Okay. So, according to various narratives surrounding this creature and its legend, Detroit's founder, a Frenchman. And you'll see the connection here to the cars. His name was Antoine de la Morphe Cadillac. <laughs> Cadillac. I Cadillac. was thinking, I was actually thinking Plymouth. <laughs> <laughs> hold tight, hold tight. We may be going there. Okay. But but Mr. Monsieur Cadillac <laughs> was told by a fortune teller yeah. to appease the Nain Rouge <laughs> as he was settling the city, right? So he's the founder of the city of Detroit in Michigan. And uh, he went to this fortune teller and she said, you know, make sure you appease this red dwarf, the Nain Rouge, uh, because if you don't, there will be serious consequences. <laughs> So when, yeah, so when Monsieur Cadillac came across the Nan Rouge, instead of appeasing him, he smacked him with his cane and said, Get out of my way, you red imp. My kind of guy. Get out of my way. I have no time for you, you little horned red imp. So as a consequence, a string of bad luck befell Cadillac. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, he ended up getting in trouble as a leader. He was charged with abuse of power. He ended up being reassigned from Michigan down to Louisiana and then later returned to France where he was actually put in jail and eventually lost all of his fortune. No kidding. So this is yeah. the guy that started Cadillac? No, he started Detroit. Oh, I see. Okay. This was way before cars. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but I'm saying there's a name that came from, you know, I didn't know that, right? Came from uh, um, Monsieur Cadillac. I'm sure <laughs> they named the car after him. Unbelievable. You know. Yeah, 
Yeah, so good, good stuff. Yeah. So the the theory here with the Nain Rouge is ever since then, right, uh, Monsieur Cadillac had bad luck because he did not heed and uh, pay homage to the Nain Rouge. Um, now they have a parade every year in Detroit, and I'll tell you about some of the other bad things that happened as well, but they actually have a parade each spring where they try to uh, pay homage to the Nain Rouge so that he doesn't come back and do something bad that year. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of somebody wrote that it's kind of a cross between um, Mardi Gras and like Burning Man. <laughs> but people dress up, you know, like Nain Rouge with these red devil masks and stuff like that. So. Some people are just stupid, boy. I, tell you, I know, man. but when the several times when they have not had the parade, bad things happen. Uh huh. So some of the things that they blame on, uh, um, uh, blame on uh, the curse of the Nain Rouge. Probably the most famous thing is um, the Battle of Bloody Run, where 58 British soldiers were killed by Native Americans from, get this, Chief Pontiac's tribe. Mm -hmm. So, not Plymouth, but Pontiac. Okay. And they said that the Nain Rouge appeared uh, at, during this terrible event and that he danced among the corpses on the banks of the Detroit River after the battle. And, uh, and it was such a bloody barrel, battle that the river actually turned red with blood. Wow, I mean, what kind of dance was he doing? Like uh, a jig or a twist? He's doing a uh, a French waltz. <laughs> he was and doing then much later in time, back in 1967, uh, some utility workers uh, have a documented uh, claim that they saw the creature just before the 1967 Detroit riots. Huh. And where was he, in the pub having a pint? No, but uh, it turns out that there is a Detroit beer company that now has a signature brew called the Detroit Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> Named after the name Rouge. Yeah, the man Rouge. Man Rouge. Uh, well, now, so the curse on from Cadillac, I mean, what happened? Did the hubcaps pop off his 64 caddy? <laughs> <laughs> Be careful with that Cadillac. You know, you may want to, if you do have a Cadillac out there, folks, you may want to get a Nain Rouge uh, image to hang from the rearview mirror. Get rid of those fuzzy dice and get a little red dwarf and hang them there. Yeah. And if you can't find an image of the Nain Rouge, just put a picture of your mother-in-law on the mirror. <laughs> and if you happen to see him, by the way, don't smack him with your cane and say, get out of here, you little red imp. I have no time for you. I will have a car named after me someday, a great car. I don't even know what a car is, but it will be great, like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I must go have a croissant. <laughs> <laughs> I used to really like them big old caddy two doors, the Eldorados. Oh, yeah. I mean, they will, uh, you know, say what you will. We all know they were f 460 cubes or 500 cubes and drank gas like you drink Bosco. But uh, they were cool on the inside and out, you know. 
Well, and they weighed about 8,000 pounds, <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, they sure did, boy. <laughs> but they were they were the lap of luxury. Big, soft leather seats. Yeah, I mean... They power were, everything. It was like riding around your living room, you know? <laughs> but this Nain Rouge, I will put a couple of pictures of him up on the website. He is quite a creepy, demonic-looking character, for sure. Uh-huh. How big is he? Uh, he's about four feet tall. Okay. Yeah, yeah big yeah. enough to be nasty. Good-sized little imp. And by the way, folks, this suggestion of the Nain Rouge came in from one of our listeners in Listener Mail. So uh, thank you for putting that forward. I had I had never heard of the Nain Rouge, and uh, he's quite an interesting character, and he might be my second favorite <laughs> French character after the Rougarou. <laughs> the Man Rouge. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. You know, all these things are little demons. That's all, that's all we're dealing with here. Oh, you no know? doubt about it. Uh, you know, anything that's injur- injurious to mankind or threatening or putting fear on you is just coming straight from the pit. Cadillac losing everything and then going back to France and... Uh, going to prison. Going to prison. I mean, the guy's life is destroyed and these. This freaking fortune teller telling him he's got to pay homage to this little hairy demon. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what are you saying? I'm saying I would have took out my samurai sword and hacked (laughs) that demon to pieces. Whoa. (laughs) Ah, take this, you little hairy critter. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Cause me to pay homage, will you? Take that. Take that, you little (laughs) imp. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. So nothing else to add to the uh, Mount Rouge. That's it, the little critter. Boy, oh, boy. Well, I got one for you today, folks. And uh, this was described to me. Uh, or told to me by a fellow named Mitchell Langley, a resident of California. And this is what Mitchell saw while hiking with his wife. My wife Edna and I had started our hike from the Sayad Valley and were working our way up north into the Rogue River Siskiyou National Forest. I hope I did that justice. Yeah, where the, where the heck is that, Bill? Uh, I guess Northern California. Okay. Siskiyou, S-I-S-K-I-Y-O-U National Forest. Mm. Uh, and also the Rogue River. Uh, our destination was Red Buttes. Red Buttes Wilderness Area. So this whole thing sounds like they're in some deep, deep forest. Edna and I had been through this area many times and knew it probably as well as anyone on the planet. We had started early and made our way into what we refer to as the Red Zone by noon. We were sitting side by side on a log with our backs to a tree line facing a small field. We had been sitting quietly for about 20 minutes, taking our lunch break, 
when we heard something momentarily rustling behind us and off to our left in the trees. I had turned my head to look and saw nothing. My wife had done the same as we continued to eat. I don't mean to sound like hearing something rustling is any big deal, as there is so much wildlife in here, but every noise does and should get your attention when hiking. The two of us have stumbled across many a bear and even a cougar during our many hikes. A few minutes later, as I was pulling my nasal inhaler out of my pocket, we heard what sounded like a loud crack, followed by the sound of a tree dragging on the ground. At least, that's what I thought at the time. The two of us stood up from our seat on a log and turned to face the woods in the direction of the noise with the trees being maybe 75 feet at best in front of us. From the position we were in, you couldn't really see into the trees to our left or to our right-hand side, but there was a small opening directly in front of us. We continued to look and listen, as this sound of something dragging seemed to be getting closer and louder. Suddenly, a Bigfoot appeared from behind the trees to our right. Walking into this opening and dragging a small tree in its right hand. As soon as it had made its way past the barrier of the trees and into the opening, it turned its face to look at us and dropped the tree that was in its hand. Turned to the right, Turning to the right, it slowly started to walk towards the rear of the opening, retreating back into the woods. It craned its neck, looking back at us as it walked away before it completely disappeared from our view. I don't think it was but five minutes after we had seen it that we moved forward to where it had dropped the tree. Edna and I stood there looking at it. It was dead, but considerably large to be dragging around. It must have been easily 30 feet long and was about 6 inches in diameter at the base. Why this creature was dragging this particular tree and to where is anyone's guess. Our own thoughts being at the time that it couldn't have been planning to take it very far, or else it would have grabbed another tree nearer to that location. It must have been going to or living somewhere in close proximity to where we were standing. I am sure that this Bigfoot was surprised to see us, was as surprised to see us as we were to see it, perhaps even more so. I say this because we had a fair warning having heard it coming. To me, there was absolutely no fear exhibited by the beast when it saw us. Having seen the size of it, the reason why is more than evident. We had a more than perfect view of it for some 30 seconds or more, and when we walked over to look at the tree it had been dragging, 
there were several boughs that we had watched it pass behind as it walked, all of which were in the neighborhood of eight to nine feet from the ground. This was one big mama. I can tell you that emphatically. It appeared to be almost jet black with some reddish highlights that were shining in the sunlight as it broke into the small clearing. From the side, it seemed to be about three feet thick from front to back, and its fingers on the left hand were hanging just below knee level. One of the oddities about it was that the head looked tiny for the body. Now, don't get me wrong, the musculature was immense in every sense of the word, but even at that, the head seemed relatively small. We couldn't really make out any muscular definition other than that the, uh, that everywhere you looked, the body seemed to be bulging outward, such as the chest and the back. It was quite obviously built strongly to the extreme. It was casually walking, holding this tree in one hand that even dead had to have weighed at least a couple of hundred pounds or more. The other thing about the sighting, which I can't forget, is the leisurely way in which, after it had seen us, it walked away. There was absolutely no sense of fear or urgency on its part, having seen us. I guess it knows that it could tear us limb from limb if it had to. At any rate, that was our sighting of the Red Butte's beast, as we had named him. Now, Here's the coup de grace, my friends. Some six months later, uh, after uh, I had interviewed this fellow about this Red Butte's Beast, I received a phone call from none other than the same fellow, Mitchell. It seems that he had a bit of an update that he wanted to share with me, and this is what he had to say. I guess you were surprised to hear from me again, Bill, but I just couldn't let a sleeping dog rest. I had been troubled since the day of the encounter as to what the Bigfoot was doing, dragging the tree around in the woods, and had decided to go back into the area to do a little investigating. My wife Edna wanted nothing to do with it, so I brought along my best friend Larry, who was more than interested after having heard about our encounter. The two of us made our way in exactly as my wife and I had on that day. I knew I was in the precise location at the last of the last sighting because I had dropped and forgotten about my nasal inhaler, only to find it lying next to the log where we had eaten our lunch. The first thing that we did was to step into the opening where we had seen the beast leave the tree, and the tree was gone. This immediately indicated to me that this Bigfoot was all business and had come back to finish what he had started after we left. Larry and I began to do a very methodical search, expanding outward at about 20 yards at a time, working our way into the woods where the creature was heading. Our hope was to discover what the tree being taken, what was the tree being taken for without ending up dead in the process. 
By the way, we had both brought our handguns with us on this trip. I guess it was about two hours into this grid search when we ran across a teepee-like structure made of trees in the woods. There must have been well over 50 trees set to lean against some horizontal branches of one large living tree. As we walked around this structure, if you can believe it, I actually remembered and recognized the bark pattern on the one that had, he had dropped and saw it within this structure. As we stood there examining this phenomena, Larry said that he thought he saw something dark out of the corner of his eye and pointed in the direction he wanted me to look. Neither of us could see anything, but he was certain that he had seen some dark color move in and through a small opening in the branches. Now, Larry is a very able and experienced woodsman. If he says he saw something, he most definitely did. Dark color in these parts means bear, and perhaps during this venture, a Bigfoot. Needless to say, you don't start wandering around looking for either with handguns. Well, we had a lot to talk about and began our hike back out. We must have hiked two miles or more, bullshitting the whole time about what we had just seen and what my wife and I had seen previously. I could tell that Larry had caught the bug, just as I had. But there's something else quite extraordinary that happens to a man or a woman when you see one of these creatures. Speaking for myself, it's now like I can't let it go. I want to know more, and I want to see more. Anyways, so we're hiking about two miles outbound from the structure when unexpectedly, a large and voluminous howl starts to emanate from the woods, coming directly from where we had been. We both turned to listen, and it must have went on for almost 20 seconds before it stopped. It was louder than the blast of a cruise ship's horn, and it made our hair stand on end. I said to Larry that the Bigfoot must have been giving us a farewell salute. There was absolutely nothing else in this region that the sound could have been coming up, coming from. How do you like that, Kev? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable. The, the fact that they went back twice, you know, he went back to reinvestigate. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, a lot of people do this stuff, right? They go in, they go back to the same area. But well, the, you're curious, right? I mean, at first you're scared, and then you're like, hey, I wonder what was really going on there. Did I see that or what? You know. Yeah, I think they were pretty certain. <laughs> well, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. Let's see but, I mean, this, uh, can you imagine sitting there and at about 75 feet, a Bigfoot appears dragging a tree? No. And then the thing just kind of, like they said, leisurely drops it and turns and walks away into the woods, you know. But interesting, too, that when they came back, the tree was gone. Yeah. 
So it, I think he's correct. It came back for the tree. It wasn't going to waste its time and effort. And he believed that he saw it in what we would call a tree structure. He recognized the tree he had seen. Absolutely. So uh, I don't know, man. These wilderness areas up there, Siskiyou National Forest, you know, the Rogue River. Uh, if you guys have any further information about this uh area, you know, you can always chime in with us by going to uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com and hitting the uh, contact link and let us know what you know or what you've seen. But uh, I don't know, man. You know, he seemed to have common sense about him that even though they went in with handguns, uh, you don't want to face off with a bear or a Bigfoot with a handgun, you know. Uh, <laughs> no. But but nevertheless, that's what they had and that's where they were. Yeah, that's a better than a slingshot. <laughs> well, unless you're David. <laughs> I mean, David took out Goliath with a sling. Fair enough. <laughs> Take this, you big bastard. Bink. <laughs> you red dwarf. Bink. Man Rouge, I hit you with my cane. <laughs> ah, you nasty little Man Rouge. Bink. <laughs> or you can throw a can of dog man beer at him and knock him out. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, my friend Dave, listener to the podcast, Dave the Logger, sent me a picture yesterday of a work area they're working in, logging. And the picture was this. You know the metal uh, logging helmets you've seen them, Kev? Yeah, with the wide brim. Correct. Correct. And so he's got this, like, brushed steel uh, logging helmet. I don't know if it's aluminum or steel, but shiny silver laying on the ground in about a, what looked like maybe an inch or two of snow. And next to it was this giant footprint. Mm. And Dave said to me it was the biggest cougar footprint he had ever seen in his life, and it was in their work area. So, mm. it, you know, you're looking at a photograph and, and whatnot, and uh, I texted back to him, and he said the footprint was as big as my face. Can you imagine hmm. the size of the cat uh, that left this print out there? And it reminds me of these guys just saying that, you know, black usually means bear to a seasoned woodsman, you know. Sure, or, or in sure. this case, a Bigfoot. Or, you know, him running into a cougar. Uh, you know, these things, man. You don't know, folks. That's why I say always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. You don't know what you're going to run into. And by the time you do, it may, in fact, be too late. Yeah, it's probably too late. Yeah, so uh, I would not want to hear a twig snap and turn to see, you know, a 200-pound cougar in the air leaping at me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, do your best, man, but uh, it's probably going to get the best of you. Mm. So that's yeah. it, man. That was an incredible account over uh, a number of months, a doubleheader, 
just remarkable, the level of detail and a little... Interesting, too, how he had lost his nasal inhaler and found it by the tree. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know where we were going with the nasal inhaler (laughs) at first. Well, he had mentioned it, and I just put it in, but during the, the interview process... He included it initially because he knew it would come back to seeing it later on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, otherwise, I'm sure he wouldn't have even mentioned it, you know? Yeah. But, it's all uh, good. Yeah, it's good stuff. So cool, that's, man. That's it, man. That is the account. All right. Well, we got some good listener mail this week, Bill. Okay. So the first one comes in from Angela. And this one has to do with Christianity and the paranormal. Okay. She says, I love your show. As I know you believe in God, since a child, I've had interest in paranormal topics, and I've heard many that Christians think it's wrong to read, watch, or think about these topics as they are not godly in nature. It is true that many I've encountered who do believe in aliens, UFOs, Bigfoot, ghosts, etc., cryptids, whatever— I do not believe in God or Jesus Christ. Some tell me I'm not glorifying God when I spend time uh, not worshiping Christian topics, etc. I read a good book recently called The Paranormal Conspiracy by Christian author Timothy Daly. The book unmasks the true identity of paranormal topics such as Bigfoot, UFOs, etc. That they are, in fact, tricks of Satan. (laughs) A lot of this makes sense. Wondering what you thought of this topic. What are these things? How do Christians navigate through this stuff? What are your opinions? Thanks. I really enjoy the show. So pretty complex question there, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, uh, you know, I actually reached out to Angela and I haven't heard back from her. But uh, it, it's a worthy conversation that could go on for a while. That's why I asked her to call me. I was going to say, I, I think she might be afraid to talk to you. Yeah, well, that's okay. <laughs> Some, sometimes I'm afraid to talk that to me. That might be some type of Bigfoot worship. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, anybody who, Angela may be new to the podcast, but anybody that knows me or listens to me, uh, knows my feelings about the different types of Bigfoot encounters, uh, a lot of these other creatures. Uh, and my opinion is that a fair amount, if not almost all of these things, are from the demonic realm. To me, anything that puts fear on a person, uh, tries to do you harm, uh, is involved with darkness as opposed to light, uh, is straight from the pit. Now, some people might not like me talking about these things, but frankly, I don't care. <laughs> but Bill, I agree with part of what you're saying, but I just want to clarify. Yeah. So, I mean, any these things, you know, there's creatures out there that will do you harm, like a grizzly bear. Correct. But I don't think a grizzly bear is demonic. No, absolutely I think it's not. Just a creature. You know, and that's what it does. It's an apex predator, and it has to eat other things to survive. And, you know, 
that's the way it is. So, but I definitely believe that there's demons out there and demonic creatures, and that things like Goat Man are very likely demonic. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt about. Generally, it. a rule of thumb: if it has red eyes and horns, yeah. probably not good. <laughs> yeah, not good. And not you know, good. we've talked about just the Bigfoot alone ad nauseum when we have sightings where these things vanish. Or they seem to be real, and then they move behind like a veil, as I call it, and they're gone. Right. Uh, The UFO phenomena, uh, abduction, all of this nastiness, people feeling sick for months after they've had an encounter, uh, fear, depression, uh, things coming on these people having... Uh, met up with these so-called aliens from other worlds. Well, they're from another world, all right, but it's not a world that you want to end up in after you're dead. (laughs) But again, not all UFOs demonic, right? I mean, like there could be, I mean, certainly there's a lot of unexplained stuff out there. Like I talked about, you know, there's this whole theory now with the Tic Tac type uh, UFOs that the U.S. Navy encountered that maybe it's the Air Force actually testing out some new technology, our own Air Force trying to test out some new technology on the Navy and not telling them about it, because why tell them about it? Then they'll be able to know it's coming and know what it is. Um, you know, so so I think not all of it is demonic for sure, but there's certainly demonic aspects to some of the uh, things we talk about on this show, for sure. Yeah, and they toy with you. You know yeah. what I mean? That's another thing. We know that there is uh, interdepartmental activities that they don't share with each other, you know, in the armed forces. Yeah. They, they very well could be testing uh, the Tic Tac uh, objects against another branch of the service, to see their response and and what they think of it, one hundred percent. You know, it's only it's a true experiment. Exactly. If they don't know about it, right? You know what I mean. So, but anyway, you know, Angela, I think that I don't think you really have to worry about being judged as not a being a Christian because you're reading about Bigfoot. Um, you know, it's like anything in moderation. I wouldn't get out the Ouija board and start calling up spirits or anything like that. That's probably not a good thing. Definitely not a good idea. (laughs) I mean, look what happened to Cadillac when he went to the fortune teller. His problem was he hit the dwarf (laughs) with his cane. (laughs) You know, when you do run into a demon, you probably don't want to smack him with your cane. Oh, I do. (laughs) I want to put him in a flying head scissor off of the upper rope. For me, you'll hear that uh, (laughs) Scooby-Doo drum in the background. (laughs) And I'll be bolted. Like, where'd that guy go? All right, Bill. Our next email comes in. And I don't know if I'm going to pronounce your name correctly, so I will apologize. Uh, But I think it's Ineke. I-N-E-K-E or Ineke. Okay. Belgium. Okay. And uh, she writes in about Bigfoot in the Ardennes Forest in Belgium. So this is pretty cool. She says, hey there, I wanted to contact you to tell you about something strange in the Ardennes in Belgium. I live in Roquefort for a while, small town surrounded by the hills and forest. And just at the end of my street, there was a very small chapel called 
Chapelle Lorette. Uh-huh. Under the chapel are caves which one can visit with a guide. The chapel dates back to the 17th century, and there's a plaque on it saying that there that it was built in order of a woman who promised the Virgin Mary to build this in her honor if she would return her child, which had been abducted by an ape. Huh. Now, let me tell you, there are no kind of apes living in Europe. Funny coincidence is that my neighbor, who is an elderly woman who who had lived alone, kept telling me about creatures like giant bears coming to her window in the garden at night a few times a year. There are also no bears in Belgium. Everyone said she was old and started to have dementia, but she was really serious about it and seemed to have a wits about her. Hmm. Anyway, that's my story. Keep up the good work. Kind regards. Boy, that's some freaky deaky stuff, huh? That's pretty wild. Like, you know, you're in the caves of a, a 17th century chapel, and there's a plaque saying that it was built to honor a woman whose child was abducted by an ape. Man, that's freaking off the charts, strange. I thought that was pretty freaky deaky. Yeah, and then the other old older lady saying she seen bears looking in her window. Right. But again, if it was some type of Bigfoot creature, you don't you if you don't know anything about it, what what else would you say? Absolutely. You know, furry teeth, big eyes, big head, you know, you don't know what you're looking at, you know. No idea. Yeah, no idea. And that's in Belgium. Belgium in the Ardennes forest. Nothing like Belgium waffles, though. No, I could go for a waffle right now. (laughs) Why does everything come back to food products? (laughs) All right, Bill. Our last email comes in from James in Dallas. Okay. And the subject is melon heads. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) James writes, hello, Bill and Kevin. First off, James, thanks for mentioning me. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. (laughs) I know how much you both love aviation. I am a former NASA and McDonnell Douglas employee. I now work at the DFW airport in Dallas, Texas. I, too, am am a born and raised New Yorker. I was born and raised in upstate in Brockport, New York. I've been in this business for 42 years And sometime, Bill, I would like to tell you of my UFO encounter. Mm -hmm. Close enough to me that I could hit it with a stone in Van Etten, New York. Mm. He was in the mountains there. He says, I'm 61 years old. Just wanted to say how much I love my brothers. Kevin, for your oddities, you have to check out the melon heads of Kirkland, Ohio. All right. All right. I have never heard, James, of the Melon Heads of Kirkland, Ohio. Sounds like a band. Um, but he says, my sister lives there. I'm sending a link, and I hope it works. There's also a Wikipedia page. So good stuff. And Bill, he sent you his, his mobile number and said, uh, best time to catch him is in the evenings or on weekends. And... Uh, you know, so he can tell you about his UFO encounter. Yeah. Now, uh, first of all, when he said melon heads and referred to us, I thought he was talking about us being well, melon yeah, heads. Well, yeah, that's a safe bet. <laughs> but 
I had a great conversation with James. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, he did, ha- you, did you tell him that we do both have melon heads? <laughs> well, if he saw our picture on the website, he already <laughs> knows that. Or if he tries to buy us a hat. <laughs> Uh, James had an up-close-and-personal, excuse me a second. Bless you. Thank you. There's another one coming, I think. There's always three. Excuse me, folks. (laughs) It is the season. Yes. He had an up-close-and-personal encounter with a tremendous UFO that was uh, larger than a football field. Whoa. And uh, I can appreciate it in that when you encounter these things, as I have, there's something that happens where you're really no longer in control. It's a very strange thing to experience, and only those who have know what I'm talking about. James drove underneath this thing that was just above treetop level in his pickup truck. And he was standing under this massive thing, making no sound with light panels beneath it. And he had said to me, I am going to be abducted by aliens. He was thinking that thought and still drove underneath the thing. This is what I'm talking about when I say you're no longer in control. And he's observing this thing, this and that. I don't want to get into the whole story. It would take me a half an hour. The thing starts to move away slowly. He decides I'm going to jump in my truck and take off. Well, he actually experienced quite a bit of sickness, uh, for uh, a spell of time after this happened. And it just so happens that James experienced the same type of sickness that I had uh, after I had one of my encounters that went on for well over a month. Hmm. So, you know, it's in the connecting of the dots between experiencers that the picture begins to get painted and becomes more clear uh, as to what's going on and the fact that you are not alone in your experience because in the sharing, we find out that others are feeling and seeing and reacting in the same way, if that makes any sense. Sure, 100%. So James was so glad that he had spoken to me And I, in turn, was so glad that I had spoken to him because our experience was almost identical uh, in what the after effects were. So it it gives you confirmation. And let me tell you something. In answering Angela again, there is nothing good about that. You Yes, we both, James and I, had experienced this UFO phenomena. But there was nothing good in the outcome of having had that experience. There's no joy. There was no benefit. There was sickness, uh, hmm. depression. It was a bad experience. And that's when I say I draw the line between the demonic 
and the powers of God, uh, it's not a good thing. Mm. <laughs> and this was no, uh, you know, Air Force. <laughs> this is no Air Force uh, aerial vehicle that James encountered or that I have. Uh, I can tell you that up front. Pretty crazy, huh? Very cool, Bill. Yep. Yep, very cool. Good deal. All right. Well, that's it this week. Good podcast, folks. Thank you for listening. As usual, make sure you give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast player. Mm -hmm. And if you want to write us a little written review, we really appreciate it. It's great feedback. And if you have any tips for us, you know, please contact us at our website, BigfootTerryInTheWoods.com, under Contact Us. And uh, we love hearing from you. Yeah, no, great... uh Cryptids in the news uh, story today, Kev. And again, that came to us from one of our listeners, right? That is correct. Yeah, so write into us, folks. If you have any ideas for subject matter that you'd like us to look into, we love this stuff. So don't be afraid. Uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact link and uh, lay it on us, brothers and sisters. (laughs) But now listen, folks. If you should find yourself like Mitchell and Edna Langley hiking into the Rogue River, Siskiyou National Forest, you better remember one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. <laughs>